0: my stones. Let it rain, a hydroplane in the bank, coming down like a Dow Jones. When the clouds come, we go. We Rockefellers, we fly higher than weather, and she vibes are better. You know me, in anticipation for precipitation, stack chips with a rainy day. Jay, rain Man is back, with Little Miss Sunshine. Rihanna, when you
1: Can I have ten radio stations, please? That'll be a penny, lad. Thank you. There is one radio station... There can
2: be only one. There can be only
1: one. There can be only one that stands out from the crowd. I want that one. All right. What is this thing? It's River Radio. There can be only one. One that's made entirely out of syrup. Well, we're here. We're here. Gremlins We made aside. it. We're here. We are live on Air River Radio. It's time. Oh, I missed the poppy
3: bit. Mr missed the poppy Well, it's all, got all the, the gremlins. You've got, got the clink. clink.
1: Yep. It's, uh, it's time for Uncorked on a Thursday, one o'clock. Well, five past one, but we'll pretend it's one o'clock. Why not?
3: We're in that sort of mood. It's one o'clock somewhere.
1: It is one o'clock.
3: Well, actually, is not. No, not. It's not.
1: <laughs> In a parallel universe somewhere, it's one o'clock.
3: But the time zones are only five oh, minutes apart.
1: I've just had an idea for uh, Challenge cat later on. Oh. Coming up on today's show.
3: Diving oh, in I'm today. I'm really worried that parallel
1: universe was the bit that gave you the idea. It is. It is. <laughs> it will be nothing to do with wine. Um, coming up on today's show, we have dive in where we're going to be talking about Prosecco. Ooh, nice Prosecco. Bubbles. This summer year, bubbles, bubbles. Bubbles. What else is happening?
3: We're going to be heading off the beaten track Oh yeah And looking at Barolo Oh
1: Barolo And Nebbiolo And we'll be doing that for our menu match
3: So we're firmly staying in Italy all one country today oh, And really actually looking forward not, to it. not too far apart Fair drive but not too far apart
1: It's a fair drive mm. <laughs> <laughs> We'll bear that in mind as we dive in Dive in
3: To River Radio
1: Oh it's great to be back isn't it it's all good and fluffy here in the River Radio Studio.
3: <laughs> you missed me, Brian. Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> oh, yes. You missed the wine. Moving swiftly on.
3: <laughs> now, of
1: course, we've missed you because we, we haven't learned more amazing facts about, uh, about, about wine. wine and yeah. winemaking and terroir. Of course, Uncorked, it's with me, Brian, and Kath, our resident... Expert, master of wine. More people have been. In, in space. Is space no yeah. more? Have they? I, I think does that so. make sense?
3: I've, more people have been in space than have passed the MW. I believe.
1: Well,
4: well, well. I don't
3: know now. Given that old Branson and Besso have headed up there, it might have tipped the numbers in their favour. Do you know what? It's getting it's getting rather crowded up Before there. Before long, it? it's just going to become very crowded up there. And yeah. Do you think they have like little bottles of prosecco on the? Well, no, more on the people flight? have been. Even more people have been in space then. it's easier clearly to get to space.
1: Yeah. If more you've got people loads, yes more loads people have been in space
3: you need bucket loads of cash obviously to get to space
1: yes or that that bottle of champagne that we spoke about last uh, last do you reckon
3: that's enough for a ticket to space i
1: think you might be all right with that yeah, yeah 2
3: million 2
1: million pounds but prosecco is on the cards today
3: yeah not quite as expensive as
1: that yeah but still good, but still, good still good exactly. you can get some beautiful proseccos and I'm, yeah. I'm interested to learn a little bit about some of the english ones cuz they're really coming they're coming on They're doing rather good, aren't they?
3: There's a few that are made the same way, yeah.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. But we're starting off with a Prosecco. Now, first of all, first question, clearly, is... What is the difference between a bubbly old Prosecco... um, And you also got a Carver, and then you've got a Champagne? Why why don't I just get the cheapest one, Kath? Help us out here.
3: Okay. what's the difference? Well, the, the simple difference is location. They're made in different places. Okay. That's the first obvious difference. Yeah. Champagne being from Spain... Carver's from... Champagne? Oh. Yeah, it's one of those days. Champagne being from France, Carver being from Spain, and then Prosecco being from Italy. We'll yep. almost get there. We will. Sorry. That's all right. My brain isn't quite firing on all cylinders. You know the what? synapses oh. you just aren't quite meeting today. No, mine neither. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. You've got both of us in the same state. There's no <laughs> hope. Um... But also they're made of different great varieties. So if we look at Champagne versus Prosecco initially, yeah. Champagne we've had before, we've talked about it in detail. Yeah. And it's usually made with three key varieties, which are Meunier, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Although we did when we did talk about Champagne in more detail, we talked not discuss. Blanc. Yeah, Blanc de Blanc. Size, but you do have other varieties that can be used, but those are the three dominant Champagne varieties. Yeah. And then the final big difference is they're made differently. OK.
1: Well, let's look at that then. Because let's just recap very briefly yeah. then on the champagne. Because that's done with the traditional method. Method, traditional. Yes. Do you see how i put on a little French accent there, as I said, traditional. Yes, it's flawless. It was. Anybody would be thinking, am I tuned into River Radio, or is this sort of some French station that's crossing <laughs> over? Um, but no, so... Uh, method Traditionale, um, where where they do it all properly, really, don't they?
3: It's not fair to say properly, just differently, Ryan. They do honestly. it differently. It's yeah, not fair no, to say properly. Basically, the, the first part of the process is exactly the same. You make right. a base wine. So you make a wine that's usually still, but yeah. well, it is still, um, and it has a high acidity and low alcohol level, so that you can do a secondary fermentation. So that's the primary fer- fermentation, and that's usually in tank or whatever vessel appeals to the winemaker. Yeah it's the second stage of that fermentation process where you put the bubbles in the wine that differs. So with champagne, it all happens within the bottle that you get when you buy that wine. Right. So and the that bubbles the, the,
1: the, the fermentation, sort of all the, 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 the yeast bottle. and everything, yep. so bubbles the sec- it, doesn't Secondary
3: it? fermentation occurs in bottle. Mm-hmm. But Prosecco, the secondary fermentation, occurs in a tank, and it's called the tank method or the Charmat method. And I believe Charmat was a French gentleman But I believe that actually, although I don't know if they patented it to get the glory, um, it was an Italian that actually, sometimes they call it Matido Italiano. And that's sometimes what was it, um, it was made by or invented originally by a guy called Federico Mantinotti. And please say if I've got that wrong, it's just coming out the back of my brain, um, who was obviously an Italian, but we tend to call it the Tank or the Charmat method.
1: Okay, And, and so... For for want of a better description, I'm sure there's far better descriptions than how I'm going to do it. Yep. It's like a big soda stream.
3: Not quite, because that would just be putting carbon dioxide in it. Oh, okay. So then yeah, that would that. be cost carbonation. No. So this is basically you get your base wine. Yeah. You imagine imagine a large tank <laughs> of some description or a vessel. vessel. You put all your base wine is in there and then you add to that some sugar and some yeast. Oh, and you see it, and it creates secondary fermentation, and carbon dioxide is one of the byproducts of fermentation, which is the same that happens when it occurs inside a bottle.
1: I see. Do they ever use like the Soda Stream method?
3: Carbonation, yeah, yeah. So if you go to a fairground and you find a sparkling wine of unknown origin, possibly in a velveteen bottle, right? That could well be made with the carbonation method.
1: It's good. So you call it the carbonation. I call it the Soda Stream method. method. I I think I should put a copyright. Yeah,
3: exactly. So in theory, I suppose, and I'm not necessarily advocating this and Brian's already thinking what's she going to say if you had a soda stream you could give it a go
1: well I'm going to probably have to do a bottle of wine yeah my ice vine
3: so now you, we can have yeah carbonated ice wine you can do the soda stream method so yeah. it's getting it's developing
1: yeah so if anybody's wondering what on earth we're talking about this is um, this is me thinking that I'm going to make some ice vine in my garden in Cookham yes. I've got a little patch where I can probably fit one or two vines I've got a bit of space in the freezer I think I'm ready to go I and I've got a soda stream so there you go that'll do so I can go. get one off Amazon somewhere
3: we're, we're, we're progressing in. not yeah exactly we've got all the kit this time next year we'll yep. be a millionaire so th- th- those are the key differences anyway okay but also I think um, the other difference I suppose as well and what differentiates the price because that's a big difference between often Prosecco and Champagne yeah is potentially the man hours It's more labour involved with making Champagne. Okay. Because you've got all those little individual bottles to deal with. Um, And the fact that you have longer ageing requirements, so that they're sitting on stock for a lot longer. So, Prosecco, you can stick it in a tank. You can hold must in a tank as well, in stasis almost. So, chilled and preserved. And you can make it as you need it through the year, so that you get a bright, fresh style.
1: Okay. Yeah.
3: And what... um
1: uh, what are the grapes then? Are, are the grape varieties the same
3: or no, do they, so are they very different? No, they're completely different. So okay. there's one primary grape variety that has to, all, to be labelled Prosecco, it has to contain 85% of this grape variety, and that's Glera. Ooh. Originally, it was called Prosecco, so Glera was one of its synonyms. But when in, I think around, oh God, I'm terrible, as you know, terrible with dates, I'm just going to say 2007, 2009, either way, in the noughties. I think that's probably a more generalised and accurate way to say it, given my appalling date memory. Um, They realised that Prosecco was starting to take off in Italy. So they thought we want to protect the region and the area so that you couldn't just get English Prosecco or Australian Prosecco or Californian Prosecco. And they delimited the area and controlled it. So Prosecco is from a specified area. That's official. You can only get Prosecco from within the boundaries of this particular area. Is that the same as Carver? Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, uh, yes, yes. So it's, it's the
1: same, similar sort of thing, but in Spain. Yeah, same as champagne. Okay.
3: So champagne is from the Champagne region. Sure. Um, so it's from the Veneto Carver, but I'm sorry, Carver Prosecco. God, I'm going to really struggle. Stop saying Carver. It's just it's, it's another. <laughs> I can't cope. <laughs> um, <laughs> but basically, it's a specific area in the Veneto in Italy that you get Prosecco, and it has to come from there. So it is delimited because they realised the popularity was soaring, which was very sensible to do. But they realised that if the wine was called Prosecco and the grape was called Prosecco, this was potentially a little bit confusing. Mm -hmm. So they made the decision to officially, not necessarily rename the grape, but use one of the synonyms as the primary name for the grape variety, which is Glara.
1: Okay, okay.
3: But it could be 85%. The majority of Proseccos that you buy will probably be 100% Glera. And they'll often say that they are but they can put other things like Pinot Blanc or even Chardonnay in that last 15% if they want to, and it would still be labelled as Prosecco.
1: As long as it's 85%, they the can put the in whatever they like by the sounds of it.
3: Well, yes, to a point. It gets more strict when you're making Rose Prosecco, which is a new kid on the block. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: And and are there particularly good ones that you think, yeah, oh, no, they are. So they, look out for these? They, they
3: were officially allowed into the marketplace in May last year, so mm. May 2020. Is that-
1: Really, only made yes.
3: last year. Yeah, only made uh, f- to be labelled as Prosecco oh, Rosé Prosecco. Oh, okay, I was going to say so people been... could make them before, but they, they weren't officially allowed to be called Rosé Prosecco. It didn't exist as a category, an official right. category. But they have to have Pinot. The only red that can be used to make them is Pinot Noir. So if you buy a wine that's made within the Veneto, potentially within the whole region of Prosecco, or the, where they've they've delimited the area, and they use an indigenous variety like Roboso or something like that, which is a red variety, they can't call it Prosecco. Oh, what do they call it? Um, just the risado. rosado, Risardo. Pink s- wine, sparkling. Pink wine, yeah, sparkling okay. pink, pink wine, yeah. So it's so it's the, they can they, they are more in a way more strictly controlled in terms of the varietal division. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Now, what's this about um, um, the the pressure that these things are made at? Is that significant?
3: Yes. Yeah, And why so, is that
1: though? Is that for the bubbles or what?
3: Yeah, so stylistically, um, in that, that's dictated in theory by the amount of yeast that they add in and sugar into the secondary fermentation, because that, that dictates the amount of CO2 that we produce as a byproduct. So they can control the level of pressure. So the first style of Prosecco that we don't see all that often in this country, in fact, I again, please shout anyone and tell me if I'm wrong, but I've not seen one over here, but you can get still Prosecco, which is called Tranquilo. So basically it's tranquil, calm, yeah, yeah, and that's just a normal white wine. Then you get Frizzante and spumante, and those two different styles of fizz. So a spumante is what you would normally get, and that can be from three atmospheres of pressure upwards, but usually between five and six atmospheres of pressure, and that's exactly the same as a bottle of champagne. It's the same pressure that you get in something like a standard sparkling wine, so it's nice and fizzy. Yeah. And obviously fizzy. Um, with a frizzante, it's usually up to two and a half atmospheres of pressure. And so sometimes you'll see them under a crown cap, like a beer bottle, or sometimes with a cork with string even holding them in place. Oh. Just a fatter style of cork because they have a lot less pressure. It's less likely to force the cork out. They don't need the full cap with the mousselet and the wire holding it on.
1: hmm Yeah. Okay. So there's again, there's always like loads of things for the for the winemaker to consider yeah. when when so doing bit, even, these things. Even
3: with things like Prosecco. And the other thing that's really important is just like with um a champagne or an English sparkling wine that's made by the traditional method, or even carvers, because some carvers are made by the traditional method as well, um, the length of that secondary fermentation, so if it's cold and slow, will usually help an impact on the quality of the wine. So you want a nice, smooth, integrated mousse or bubbles. And it feels creamier on the palate, the the texture of those bubbles, if that fermentation is more controlled and is slower. And the same applies when it's made in a tank. So Proseccos that are made with a long, consistent, cool, secondary fermentation will have a smoother... And the bubbles are less explosive. They just don't explode in the same way in your mouth. They feel more persistent as well, and they're more thoroughly dissolved in the wine.
1: Okay. Now... um I've got something that I've always thought, and I don't know if this is just a myth or something that's been passed off and it's not true. Maybe you will be able to help us out here. Um, because I was always under the impression that if I, when I was ever on sort of looking after my uh, diet and what have you, which mm-hmm. goes back many years now, clearly, <laughs> um, uh, one of the things I always thought if I wanted to have um, a wine or a sparkling wine or something to drink that had less sugar than a standard bottle mm-hmm. then a fizzy or a sparkling wine because the sugar was part of that um, fermentation process oh, and the see? bubbly stuff I was always under the impression that it mm. had less sugar but I can see from the no. way you're looking
3: at me no. is that
1: because they put the dosage
3: in it is oh, oh look at you remembering things and little. learning things yes exactly oh. So a normal bottle of white wine that's fully fermented to dryness, and they're not always, will in theory have very little sugar in it or no sugar. Um, you usually have to look at the technical spec to discover the residual sugar. But the majority are fermented to dryness or they have negligible, you know, one gram per litre. And mm-hmm. let's face it, if you're having a glass, that's not much sugar. Mm. Um, but yes, so the common style of Prosecco that you see in the shops is extra dry, usually. A bit confusing. That has between 12 to 17 grams per litre of sugar. That's, that's a fair chunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, you know. Brute, which is obviously, you can get brute Proseccos, and they usually feel a bit crisper and a bit drier. And that's obviously a style that we associate with champagne. You see brute on the label, translates as dry in theory. Um, or secco, you sometimes see on a label as well. Um, that's zero to 12 grams per litre of sugar. So they've got a bit more, or, or very often, I, I, they're usually three to s- upwards grams per litre of sugar for a brute. Yeah. Yeah, and then extra brute would be 0 to 6 grams per litre. These are sort of the official designations. And you can see that things are overlapping at this point, which is a bit confusing for everybody because they, there is an overlap. Yeah. So 0 to 6 and 0 to 12, you can still label it as brute, but it could be brute zero. But if it is brute zero or brute nature, you've usually got 0 grams per litre of sugar. So if it's got that written on the label, then you know, you're know you not getting any sugar. So, sorry, that last bit, when do I not get any sugar? If it says either things like Ultra Brute, Brute Zero, or Brute Nature, usually that means zero grams per liter of sugar. Okay, okay, right. But unfortunately, most Proseccos have a little bit more sugar than people realise. Yeah, I bet they do.
1: Anything nice is always bad for you, isn't it? Well,
3: they're, they're high in acidity. The grape variety is quite aromatic and high in acidity and wouldn't actually suit that traditional method yeah because you that yeasty character those sort of nutty characteristics that we found when we had the hambledon and we tasted on on air mm-hmm. you wouldn't want that necessarily in a prosecco because there is sort of a florality to the what to the great variety that you want it to come through you don't want to mask it and hide it
1: yeah just just very quickly then because we're just uh, mm. running over slightly slight because of the late start, the late start. um does sometimes you know you're talking about the um the, the aromas and the 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 nuances and the tastes you can get mm-hmm. from from wine sometimes i, th- I think it, do, do the bubbles and the fizz actually get in the way of you appreciating that so much it's not quite as obvious when it's your mouth is full of bubbles
3: i think sometimes it can but sometimes that co2 bursting it fills the glass with an aroma that you can pick up more readily ah so that but that also, might be also it can be sometimes a little bit burny on the nose as well yeah yeah
1: Okay, well there you go, Prosecco. Yeah. Uh, there do you know go. what I want now? I want to go home, sit in the garden, nice glass of Prosecco. <laughs> um, well, listen, coming up in the next part of the show, which is off the beaten track, that's going to come up right after this track. We are talking about Barello. Yes, Barello, yes. I've got a feeling I'm going to really like that.
3: I hope so. Maybe yeah. it's a bit too warm in here.
1: Yeah, but I think it's it's just right up my. I think I
3: think you'll enjoy it.
1: Red, well we're going to tell you all about Barred. Do not go anywhere. You're listening to Uncorked. It's time for a little bit of music. We've got Prosecco. <laughs> Who would have guessed it's by Patrick Jean? Never heard of it.
5: you in a bathroom stall kissing up against the wall thinking it was love right there right then and i don't want this night to end but you have to make me fall right before the final call Hope you would tell me where and when because i just want to do it again
1: Track to life in the Thames Valley. River Radio. On the web. To the Batmobile. Let's go. On your mobile. Hello. And on Alexa too. River Radio. That's, That's it. it. Hmm. I pronounce that River Radio, but I'm always working on how I say things and I might not have it right. <laughs> Welcome back to Uncaught! You're listening to Brian and Kat here on a Thursday afternoon, just coming up to uh, 27 minutes past. Something. One o'clock.
4: One o'clock, yes. Yes,
1: and we're talking about we've done Prosecco, we are now off the beaten track. We are wandering down a nice little
3: alleyway. Little alleyway, yes.
1: There's a mountain. In fact, we're at the foot of the mountain.
3: Yep, there's some vines on the left-hand side. Oh, the heat. Not too bad. Not, not a bit too of a bad. breeze. There's but a, but a beautiful breeze. Yeah. Birds, crickets, that kind of thing yeah. going on. Yeah.
1: And in yeah. And as you smell, you can just <laughs> s- smell those barrels.
3: Barrels, actually, I love the smell of barrels. Oh, don't we yeah. all? Yeah,
1: yeah. So um, we are at um, uh, in Italy.
3: Yeah, we've, we've moved away from the Veneto where we were before. Yeah, and we've moved past Lake Garda. I th- yeah, I think we might even have trekked along and past Lake Como. And now we've ended up in Piedmont.
0: What in
5: Piedmont.
1: Piedmont. Piedmont.
3: Piedmont. Uh-huh. Piemonte, I think. foot of the hill. Piemonte, yeah, the foot of the hill.
1: There we go. Because
3: we did talk a little bit about Piemonte before. I seem to. Why would we talk about Piemonte before? I think we were talking about Nebbiolo in general, but today we're focusing a little bit on Barolo itself.
1: Okay, so right. So we're, we're,
3: yeah, we're going off the beaten track into a more specific area. And obviously, it's a red wine made with one hundred percent Nebbiolo as the grape variety. Mm-hmm. So that's what Barolo is—dry, exactly. dry red wine. But astonishingly. Once upon a time, it was thought that the wines of this region were gasp <gasps> deliberately sweet. What? Yeah, exactly. Now, <laughs> yeah, I think in truth <laughs> that this was more. I mean, we're talking prior to the eighteen hundred, you know, mid mid eighteen hundreds here. A while back, it was probably mi- partly due to the late night ripening great nature of the grape variety. So to get it ripe enough that the acidity wasn't too high and the tannins weren't too hard, they probably left it on the vine, which elevated the sugar levels. So I imagine that's part of it, mm-hmm. they were picking it later. Um, and then possibly incomplete or stuck fermentations, resulting in residual sugar. Because if you had a higher sugar level, which would lead to a higher potential alcohol, then there's a chance that the yeast, if they were using native yeasts, might not always make it through that fermentation process. They might just go, this is a bit too much like hard work at some point, and stop. And that's called a stuck fermentation. Oh, okay, the other stuck thing, fermentation. The other thing that can cause stuck fermentations are things like poor poor hygiene in the winery, and I imagine that, you know, circa 1790 the cleaning wasn't possibly as sure detailed and meticulous as, as yeah. it possibly is nowadays in a land of health and safety. So
1: in general then, uh, a, a Borello... Barolo? Barolo. Barolo. Is, is higher in sugar
3: it, no, as no, a general no. rule No, no, it's just the, the grape that you can get, it's a quite a high sugar, it can accumulate quite a lot of sugar. So we have one in front of us now and it's 14.5% alcohol. Okay, um, that's, that's a bit, that's a yeah, bit and, cheeky. Yeah, but that's, that's fairly normal. Okay. Because the grape variety itself, when it's fully ripe, achieves quite high levels of sugar, which obviously, when converted by yeast into alcohol, can lead to
1: higher levels of alcohol. Ah. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So was this um, native to the area? Was it, or or did it, did it get shipped in from somewhere no, special no, this, well, I, I don't combined I, I, and put on a different root stock
3: well there's there's always a chance there's always <laughs> a chance but i believe it's indigenous to the region so it's an indigenous italian grape variety and you do see it dotted around but particularly around the Piedmont region that's where it's sort of its heartland and homeland is up into the alto piemonte and also a little bit into liguria and places you do see it popping up and people do plant it but th- this is its heartland yeah and, and yeah. Uh, any other countries do well with this I'm um, trying to think. There's some planted in places like Australia. Okay. There's some interesting Nebbiolos coming out of places like Australia. Um, I mean, people it depends on the grower, but uh, not as widely planted as you'll find it in Piedmont, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what can we expect? What what sort of what, what can one, we expect? One, let's start off on the nose, okay, shall we? So, what do you think? Well, you have some in front of you, so I, I can put you on so say, give it a smell. Mm, okay. Um, so, as a great variety. Mm-hmm. It's very easy with Italian varieties to go red cherry, black cherry, but there's specific characteristics people often associate with Nebbiolo and that's tea, particularly sort of things like Darjeeling, sort of black tea aromas. Um, the other one is rose petals or florals, things like rose or violet, sort of, but those, you know, the smell of sort of wilted rose petals. Mm. There's an element of that, those sort of things. They're the, they're sort of the things that sit alongside sort of the fruit characters, which can be things like anything on the cherry spectrum. But often a bit more red fruit because you can see this isn't crazy dark wine.
1: It's not. That's the first thing that actually struck me. It wasn't like yeah. really deep red,
3: which is deceptive because normally we associate a darker wine or darker colour with more thick or thicker skins, more polyphenols, more anthocyanins, which leads to potentially more tannin. If you give this a good taste and swill it around your mouth, you'll definitely perceive some tannins. Do you know what? I, this it,
1: it smells like a fabulous wine. It's just it on lovely. the nose. I mean, I'm, I don't think man is particularly sensitive to those. See, I get that floral, those
3: floral top notes, that sort of... For me, I get that sort of, there's a little bit of rose and then sort of nice sort of cherry characteristics going
1: on. Yeah, maybe I do. I, just, I don't know if I'm really sort of... Uh, tar.
3: Tar's the other one people often associate tar. with Barolos. This one doesn't smell particularly tarry to me, but right. tar's the other character.
1: OK, I'm diving in. Oh, we've done that. I'm I'm, I'm going off the beaten track. Here we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, we can't both be doing it, hasn't it? No, I'm done. I've slurped. Okay, I can speak you, slurp. you slurp. Okay, I'll, I'll slurp.
3: I'll try and speak, even though my mouth is completely seized up with tannins and is now watering because of the acidity.
1: <laughs> mm, that, is, that has quite a lot of acid, though, hasn't it? Yeah,
3: so high acid, high tannin, they're the other two characteristics. Oh, mm. that is, yeah. So your mouth sort of, at first, you feel how it dries out. Yes. And you can feel very, very fine-grained tannins. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly your mouth <laughs> literally starts to water like crazy. It does. Yeah, that's clear. So, for anyone, we are tasting Barolo Bussia twenty fifteen from Aldo Conterno.
1: It's it's really quite an unexpected. I was expecting oh. like a just a, you know going back to my old favourite like a Cabernet Sauvignon, like yeah. big rich flavours, big you know
3: full. No, it's sort of leaner and more elegant. It really is slightly more rapier like, yeah, in character, yes. acidity in them.
1: But it is. It's it's really amazing how it you you do go dry and then yeah. And, and this, is,
3: this is six years old and will go for quite a long time. They have amazing longevity. So it, it's one of those, they, there's some people, a lot of people call it, or it used to be called the King of Wine and the Wine of Kings. OK. Because it was consumed by people sort of in the court in Torino and it made its way up into France where people, it was, became sort of an ambassador, a Venice or liquid ambassador <laughs> for the Italians, where it was particularly made popular by um, a lady actually called Giulia Faletti, who was a Marquise, the Marquise of Barolo. OK. Yeah, and she sort of took it around and let, let her friends all drink it because she had an estate. And then there was French influence. So down at Font- Fontana Freddy, they bought various people from the Savoyard court, came down and actually bought vineyards and made wine down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they liked it so much. But yeah, it's it, it is, and it's not what you always expect, because the nose, this one has real expression and the palate feels a little bit leaner than you expect. But that's why they're such brilliant food wines.
1: Well, Because I think what it is, is when you say to me it's got 14.5% Alcohol. It doesn't feel it, does it? it you know, you yeah. expect something. Oh, right, this is going to just sort of like whop me one. Mm. But it, but it's so subtle and it's it's And you it's don't crisper. feel a huge
3: warmth afterwards that's either. That's right, yeah. Which means, what that usually means in a wine is if you don't perceive that alcohol as being as high as the label saying it is, the wine is completely in balance and there's enough fruit, acidity and tannin in the correct proportions to support the acidity. The whole thing works as a whole. So that's just about balance.
1: Well, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful one. So the one we've got here... Um what was it again? The, the bus- busia, Barolo Bussia
3: from Aldo Conterno.
1: What what's the price range of that? Is it is it a little bit little bit higher? It might be.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I what are we 15, fifteen, twenty pounds? No. Oh, a little bit higher than that? Yeah. Oh, it's a bit cheeky then.
3: Maybe times that by three or four. Oh,
1: is it? Oh, this is a posh one then. This is for a really special occasion.
3: Yeah. Okay. Well, that, you know what? Which is why we, so we used a Coravan today and why we Coravan it, because when we use it for tastings for clients, it means that we can use, get lots of samples out of the bottle because then it justifies us. If we just opened it and poured it for one person. Sure. It's quite a big business expense when you're doing that for a lot of wines. But if you can do it and use them again and again and take out small samples and preserve the wine, then it, it becomes a much more feasible thing for us to not necessarily crack open a bottle in the literal sense, but it lets us let people taste it.
1: Yeah, and if, if somebody um, missed us when we were talking about uh, wine gadgets yes, and stuff, this, this piece used. of kit is amazing. Just talk us through that.
3: So we talked about the Coravan when we did wine gadgets, and yeah. basically it's, it's a system whereby you have a little capsule on the back which has got argon in it, which is an inert gas, and will help preserve the wine so it doesn't oxidise. And then there's what looks like a rather terrifying hypodermic needle, That comes down that you insert into through the capsule into the cork of the wine, and there's like a little trigger. I don't know if I can make a little sound so we can. You press that, and it squirts argon through the capsule or through. And you yeah, you just you press that down, wine comes out a spout. Yeah, and argon replaces the wine.
1: Little measured, little measured. Yeah, you can can keep pouring. Oh, you can keep pouring. Yeah, yeah. But so it's a great way. It keeps the wine absolutely fresh. And you you were saying that you can keep it up for
3: 10 years they, that they claim, they claim. I, I can't say i've ever trusted it. it for that long no 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 no. <laughs> they don't tend to last that long but no. this one was first used for tasting samples i said to you back in the spring so it's still going It tastes yeah. fine
1: sure so um uh, yeah so this one is is slightly slightly on the higher side of things for a yes, special occasion yes. now this
3: is one of the things that is quite saddening so had we been doing this let's say i don't know 25 years ago everything from Barolo would have been much cheaper But the region's become more and more nuanced in character and feels a little bit... doesn't taste the same as Burgundy, but has a similarity with Burgundy. And for people who love Burgundy, as the wines from that region, the supply and demand has created higher prices, Mm -hmm. people started to discover Barolo and Barbaresco, which is sort of just up the road. And as a result, particularly in Barolo, the prices have escalated significantly in the last 10 years.
1: Yeah. Which is a pity. Yeah, it it is, but, you know... Because it's a very
3: finite area... So it's in the Langhe, which is northwest Italy in Piedmont, and it's on the right bank of the Tanaro River. But the region is actually only eleven kilometers long and eight kilometers wide at its widest point. Wow! So there is a very finite, and no matter how it's pretty densely planted, but it's a very finite area. So yeah. obviously, when it's gone, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So if you had to have a, an alternative, then because you know you, the, mm-hmm. the the was was gone. Um, or you couldn't get your hands on it, what what would be a good alternative? A good
3: alternative is um, Langi Nebbiolo. So same grape variety from the same region, but often they use the younger vines, or it's a wine that's, you know, they're younger vines, in fact, usually is the younger vines, and they make it more or less the same way without quite such extensive ageing, because the wines aren't quite as tannic usually as they are to be used in Barolo. And you, for less than half the price very often, you can access a wine that very much nods to these in style, but you wouldn't keep, so this wine is a wine, so when I usually show this to people, it's people who are building cellars. Okay. And they want to have sort of wines that will keep for a long time in their cellar. And they're the sort of wines they'll stick in. But if you don't want to have to wait usually 10 years to drink it, then buy a, yeah, a Langhe Nebbiolo and you, you pay a lot less. Nebbiolo. And you get to really enjoy it, yeah.
1: Okay, well that, that might be worth sort of remembering that.
3: all head to the Alto Piemonte. Because up in the Alto Piemonte, you get amazing value for money and you get wines that often have the same structure as this, but for a third of the price. Oh, right. So you're just heading a little bit further north towards the foothills of the Alps. And yeah, they say so Gattinara, Bocca, and they call it Spanner up there rather than Nebbiolo. Mm-hmm. And you can get brilliant wines that cost a lot less.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: And that's what most people in the wine trade have in their cellar stuff from Alto Piemonte.
1: <laughs> okay. Ah, so that's a good tip, then, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. the Alto Piemonte. Yeah. There we go. Getting the lingo as well. How about that? Um, any, anything um, particular about Barolo then in the actual vineyards? Do they, yeah, do so
3: different? Yes, yeah, so there's a couple of things. So originally, like lots of regions, Barolo was bottled and shipped, shipped in barrels and bottled by bottlers in situ, um, which was quite common. So merchants, or merchants used to buy and bottle things from different vineyards or different growers, but they would always blend them together and just create a Barolo. And then slowly but surely in the 60s and 70s, there was a shift in a sea change and people started to make sort of single vineyard wines and people discovered the nuance and difference from site to site and village to village. And so as those sites became well known, they were given some authorization. So they were classified, additional ge- geographic designations, no less. Mm. Such great, catchy terminology. <laughs> um, and so basically the Barolo Consorzio worked to... Limit these areas, and the most well known sites are Bussia, which you have today. So, this wine has to come from vineyards in Bussia. Yeah. Canubi, um, so people see things like Canubi Boscis on the label and things like that. Roque dell'Annunziata, which make amazing Barolos. Brunate, Monprivato, Ginestra, Vigna Rionda. So, you get these amazing single sort of vineyard sites, and sometimes different growers own them, um, and sometimes they own them as a monopole, and they make sort of single site Barolo so that was a big shift that probably happened but the majority of those I think there's they claim that there's 181 geographical origins 11 are communes but yeah I can't list them all I'm afraid oh well push something useful out my brain so don't (laughs) ask me a question about those Brian um but that was one of the big changes and the other thing is really I suppose the soil types the regions broadly very broadly and generally division in divided in two So you've got an older Helvetian soils, and then you've got younger Tortonian soils. Okay,
1: so Helvetian soils, what what are they all about?
3: So Helvetian soils are usually um, sandstone and sand. Mm -hmm. Um, They're they're less fertile and less compact, so you get more depth, power, and body because the vines are in rockier soils, they don't give up as much fruit, and people would say they were longer lived. Tortonian are kind of the opposite, so they become more perfumed, more elegant, fruitier, softer, and they're more compact, fertile soils, but... Yeah, so those are the broad areas, and they sort of, so the eastern part, western half, and small parts of the eastern part is Tortonian. But then within that, like everywhere, you've got a patchwork. You've got a bit of clay here, yeah, a bit more Marl there. Mm. So, so Do you know
1: what? When when we're allowed out and we're you know everybody's everything's open, we can go travelling again. It'd be just great, wouldn't it, to be driving around?
3: Oh, and to see vineyards and just again. Going to yeah. vineyards
1: and just having a little sample in the in the cellar door, and then moving yeah. down the road a bit.
3: Crazy it, vineyard on digging holes and showing you the soil. Yeah. Getting it's somebody great. else to drive
1: yeah. so you can try the wines.
3: Oh, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's just wonderful, yeah. So, and the wine making for Barolo is probably worth a very quick mention. Yeah. So, traditionally, it was very traditional Barolos have really long maceration, which is part of the reason, sort of up to one or two months, sort of post-fermentation, which draw out a lot of tannin and extract, and then they have to have extended age, ageing in large, big, old, Slavonian, usually, oak body. Um, scandals happened when people started to make a modern style of Barolo. Mm. And at first, that really was just doing less maceration time. This chap here, apparently, was a scandal back in the 60s for doing that. A little less maceration, a little less ageing. Shocking, isn't it? You know, exactly. Um, There are some that use new wood, um, but as a rule, a more modern style of Barolo, usually more fruit-driven, more approachable upon release. You don't have to wait forever to drink them. The tannins are slightly more supple, and especially if they're made with new wood, you obviously notice oak in them, whereas oak doesn't dominate in this wine, because this is aged in traditional old old big big body
1: yeah i guess i guess the majority of people these days aren't buying i mean apart from those clients that you've spoken about yeah. there are people who are making a seller but the vast majority of people do want to drink it pretty much they buy yep. it and they want to crack it open don't yeah. they so Which that's why actually why. this is
3: probably fairly close to current release and it's 2015 so that they've done the sell, the aging for you
1: right yeah yeah and with that and that Obviously, has to be stored for five, six years, yeah. and so that's that's going to add cost to the actual end product as well. Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, listen, okay. we are going swiftly into the last section of today's show, we're and we make gonna, ourselves hungry. We are. We're going to um, match a menu. Uh, we're gonna tell you what you can be eating <laughs> with uh, with Barolo all those things to try. Oh this is a bit where we get hungry don't go anywhere we'll be right back after all my heroes the bleachers. Welcome back. Listening to Uncorked with Brian and Kath on a Thursday. We are all things Italian today. We are. We oh. are. Actually, what we haven't mentioned is uh, a Chianti.
3: Yes. Well, we'll have to do Made that one famous. week. We'll have to do that one week by Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now, is that is that anywhere near the same region as, because we've been talking, of course, about Barolo.
3: Central Italy. Heading down. Oh, OK. So that's further, further south. Broadly speaking in the middle. Tuscany. B- bit heavier. No, it depends on who's made it and the style. Okay. But, yeah, just different. Yeah. Very different, yeah.
1: Okay, but we're all about Barolo today, Mm. matching it with a menu. Yes. So, where do we start with this? Well, as always, it's like, what what do they eat in the area?
3: Exactly. Well, actually, God, the food in Piedmont is delicious.
1: Is it? (laughs) Yes, yes. Oh, I haven't been. So, they,
3: they do actually do a dish called Brasato al Barolo, which is basically braised beef in Barolo. They braise it in Barolo. Usually people would drink it with younger wines, but classic Barolo, like this would probably be perfect, in fact, because this would be deemed a younger wine, 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's obviously a classic of the region, but they also do um, this amazing, I'm never quite sure how you pronounce it, whether it's Tahrin or Tarajin, um, it's like a an egg noodle, so basically like a pasta, Yeah. but fat, imagine fat spaghetti, and they often serve it just with butter and truffles. They do it with all sorts of sauces, but just sort of lots of Piedmont truffles. Yeah. Do you know, truffles is something I've never really got. I
1: mean, it goes in chocolate sometimes, doesn't it? I lo- <laughs> <It's> slightly different. <laughs> I love truffles. Do you?
3: Oh, my God, yes.
1: Right. I don't know if I really know what they're all about, if I'm honest.
3: Quite hard to describe, because yeah. in theory, because they're not really mushroomy. They're truffly. Truffley. And actually, often in old bottles of things like Barolo, one of the, the characteristics you get is it? is, is truffley. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Ah, so that would, that would just be great yep. with, a, with a pasta dish with truffliness.
3: Yeah, and they do, they do things like carne crudo and using either veal or beef, which is basically like the Italian version of steak tartare. And okay. that's often good with a glass of Barolo because of that freshness. So I mean, it, obviously that's a very acquired taste, drinking. Yeah. But so lots of na- amazing pasta dishes, amazing yeah, the local food. Like all these areas, they have amazing vegetables that are seasonal. It seems like they're
1: quite big, big, sort of heavy, some of the, sort of heavier flavors mm. or bigger flavors. Yeah. So I'm guessing like uh, red meats and uh, game at all. Do you, do you like. F-
3: yep, there you go. Perfect. Kentucky fried chicken. What crisps? What nah. crisps? I, yeah, I was going to say, where were really- you going to throw that Kentucky fried chicken? What crisps? <laughs> we can move from game we're we going to
1: the finest cuisine available to mankind and well, then we go what about what, what if we run crisps? through
3: the game that goes with it i okay. want you to say what crisp you would like to have with it now you've <laughs> tasted the wine you've yeah. got an idea so right. i mean really any game particularly obviously game birds things like duck and pigeon a classic sort of that richer style of meat works really well with something like a barolo because that acidity and tannin we'll really, we'll will really will balance it out balance really well yeah. Yeah, and cut through it guinea fowl quail partridge pheasant so your uncle, really, with any of those, it will work. Mm-hmm. Um, roast goose. So if you prefer goose at Christmas...
1: I, I'm, do you know what? I do like a bit of goose.
3: Yeah. Roast goose at Christmas and a glass of Barolo. It's a perfect time to treat yourself. Crikey. I know we're thinking ahead here. I yeah. blame you for mentioning Christmas... Okay. <laughs> ...earlier, because obviously Brian and I are in seasonal summer mode. <laughs> um, but the other thing is steak tartare. They often drink with white wine as well, but that would work. If you want... To have something that isn't meat-based, mm-hmm. then richer flavors like truffles, obviously, um, but mushrooms, aubergines, those kind of flavors—the things that are a bit more umami.
1: A bit more umami.
3: Yeah, <laughs> that—that's—it's that, become an uncorked thing. Umami.
1: I know it's still a word. I'm not—I'm not comfortable with it. You're
3: not comfortable. How can you not be comfortable? It's a great word. Umami.
1: Yeah, it's not right.
3: That's not right. It Always makes me think of Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer. Yeah. Yeah, what they used too. to say unanu, <laughs> <laughs> something like that.
1: Umami. Exactly. It was something.
3: It probably was that actually. Umami. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It may well have been. And so, it wouldn't. Before I get you on the crisps, and you choose your crisp to go with it. Yeah, cheese. When in doubt, cheese. Oh,
1: whenever in doubt, but get some yeah. cheese.
3: Gorgonzola picante is one of my favourites with burrata. So okay. a little bit of blue in it. Yeah, anything that's sort of alpine style will work. Oh, I'm hungry now. I'm, I'm yeah, exactly. Why do we do this to oh, ourselves I know. every week, Brian? Every single week. So, the- see if Sam always says no, no snacks. But if we had snacks, we would not be speaking. We'd just be chowing down <laughs> and eating like crazy piglets in the studio. Sam says no snacks. He always says, when we arrive, and Sam and SJ here beforehand, they uh, always say, no snacks. Oh, right,
1: question it. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 No, that's right. We wouldn't do, get, do any we radio wouldn't do anything, talking like, at all.
3: We'll just tell you... Mmm, just tasty, have a mmm. picnic
1: every exactly. Thursday at one <laughs> o'clock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And call it
3: uncorked. So, yes. what crisps would you have with Where? that wine? do you know what?
1: Um, do you know, like, when you got some of the posh crisps, and I'm not talking, like, the run-of-the-mill
3: you're not talking Walkers here. I'm not
1: talking Golden Wonder. Do they do Golden Wonder anymore? Uh, walkers. I don't know. That's a good question. Sainsbury's own brand. None we've, of that. We've
3: moved away. Are we going to a speciality style, like a Frazzle or we're we going to Posh? No, I think I'm
1: going Kettle.
3: <gasps> oh, yeah. Oh, I'm not messing about. <sighs> big guns. Oh, you the big guns
1: out are coming. The
3: big guns. And what flavour would but you go for? They
1: used to, and I don't know if Kettle still do this, but some of that sort of you know similar standards of. Mm-hmm posh crisps they used to do they have a different crunch to them don't they They do yeah 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 they don't muck about
3: yeah they're they're very different they're proper yeah
1: i think um they used to do like oxtail so like real yeah that's a big flavor that barolo is gonna that knock the socks off it
3: yeah that would be a match made in heaven wouldn't it crisp and wine heaven
1: it would. It would. Oh, I'm just hungry now. Just hungry. So we, we, we have done we have done Barolo.
3: We've done Barolo, yeah. Nailed it. It's delicious stuff.
1: It, it, it really, really is. A- anywhere you would recommend us going to find some of this in the UK, online? It, it's on... genuinely
3: fairly widely available. Yeah. But I'll go back to my usual, actually. I'd say go go to a small merchant and see what they've got. Because they'll probably have some Langi Nebbiolo, which... Is far more affordable, but they probably have some growers and they'll probably get bits and bobs in, in small parcels. Mm-hmm. And if they've had one that they taste and they like, then they can recommend it. Yeah. 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 Support, support small. That's, that's my Are motto. there any small
1: merchants around that you particularly like? I mean, I know, I know <laughs> one um uh, in Cookham Dean on the meter market every yeah. Friday. there's Grape some- Nectar brilliant little suppliers but <laughs> yeah. if i'm going further afield if, if, maybe if I'm, I'm not in... being
3: biased towards myself
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if i'm in reading or windsor and it's a little bit of a distance so is, is this somewhere to
3: there's grape expectations in marlowe okay and and they're pretty good as mm-hmm. well so they they i'd definitely recommend a visit there and i think they have a wine bar as well i think you can buy and drink in yeah um and you'll see them popping around there's the old butchers old butchers
1: and cook them cook yeah
3: and they've got interesting wines as well there's Maidenhead wine cellar in Maidenhead. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's little if you if you hunt around you'll find small merchants and the people who run them are always really passionate.
1: So they're great people to talk to and just yeah. oh say look I because like, I always do that I say look I, I like a cabernet sauvignon. <laughs> um
3: <laughs> Catherine says I should try try something <laughs> different but but
1: you know I want to want to try something different. What can you recommend? What do we got? And they are they're great because yeah. they're they, oh you know what I've got this on got this in from somewhere, and you try different stuff.
3: You get to try, yeah. And places like Baked in Maidenhead have a small wine selection as well. Baked? Baked. So Baked are a lovely cafe in Maidenhead. Mm -hmm. which do amazing coffee, delicious cakes, amazing breads, and they have a small wine section as well. So you can go in there and buy your loaf of bread and have a cup of coffee and a panini, but buy yourself a bottle of wine at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's...
1: There are some, you know, if you you go out, there are some lovely little places. I I have to say... um, I went out a couple of weeks ago um, with the other half. We had a Sunday, I think it was, and I thought, do you know what? We've been watching um, that thing, that Clarkson's Farm.
3: Oh my god, it was brilliant! <laughs> it's See, so I am not, good. I'm not a fan of Jeremy. Clarkson, Nor am I, but it was brilliant, wasn't it? Really, really good. Yes. So anyway, yes. we went
1: up to Diddly Squat Farm. Did Shop. you? We did indeed. And
3: do you know the? Did cube- you buy the candle? <laughs> We could you watch that episode with the candle? This yeah. smells like my. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we
1: actually didn't get in the shop. The queue was so long. There were there was a board there. It said three hours to get in the shop. Into the diddly squat.
3: That's bonkers. That is bonkers. And but it's worth. If anyone hasn't seen it, it's worth watching for Caleb because oh he's great. Clarkson me. has met his match. Yeah. Just the best.
1: Yeah. 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 It's, it's a funny, funny series, it really is. And they're filming now the second one, so...
3: Yeah, and I think it, it does actually at least shed some light on how damn difficult it is to be a farmer. Yeah. Whether you're growing grapes or crops, I mean, none of it is easy, whether it's livestock and so much can affect you, it's, it's tough work.
1: But it was, it was crazy, and I guess this is similar in a way for, for smaller growers in vineyards and stuff. Yeah. It's like they don't all have all the massive equipment no, they that they need. They have to hire, it's
3: so bottling lines and labeling everything, yeah. All
1: those things. And sometimes when it is right we it, 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 if it's just about to absolutely chuck it down, mm. you don't want to dilute all your grapes and everything. So you've got to get out there mm. but somebody else has got all the all the crew picking their grapes in a yeah. different vineyard. It's so hard and it's the same principle and it, it shows it off really well on on Clarkson's yeah. farm. That you know, it's it's just so hard. To get everything right, and, and the weather the, always messes you about, and
3: the bureaucracy.
1: Oh, yes. What was it? Um, what was his name? Cheery Charlie. Charlie Cheery Charlie, or something.
3: It's just seriously watch it. It's brilliant. It is. My really brother good. recommended it, and my husband has started watching it. I said, "Actually, I want to watch this," and yeah. he looked stunned. Yeah. That I expressed an interest in watching it, and it was really good.
1: Yeah, it's it's fun. It
3: gets you. You
1: see, actually, you know. The so things you didn't that get, you get into Diddley Squat. You didn't do a didn't, three he didn't hour. Get queue. Into it, no. And they, they've put a few extra bits up. So there's uh there's a little place where they're selling t shirts and stuff. I think yeah. that was about twenty minutes to queue for that. And then round the other side, um, where the lambs were all, all held, they've made that into like a, a cafe and they've got a like a caravan with teas and coffees and cakes and bits and pieces. But again, that was uh that was I think nearly an hour to get to that. The queues were mad, absolutely bonkers. Wow. To shows what just the shows, shows what a TV If you've got a show does. Yeah And a TV series What that sort of branding can do Do you know what I'm thinking? Cha-ching
3: Uncorked Sparkling ice wine oh, uns- the, the diddly uncorked Wine shop I can see, I can see you The little brain that's yeah, yeah. got The cogs are turning The
1: uncorked wine shop Here in Marlow brilliant don't
3: tell grape expectations no
1: not i'm not i'm (laughs) gonna keep it still
3: i'm not
1: telling anyone that is it we are gonna be absolutely loaded this time next year we'll be millionaires talking about not next year but next week what are we gonna be talking about
3: with a bit of luck we'll have a guest in the studio who 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 we're hoping to have henry from harrow and hope so from harrow and hope now this is one of the the local winemaker, local wine producer so yeah that that's the plan
1: and how how long has henry been making wine in uh we're gonna be
3: asking him no Spoilers here, Brian. Oh, really? We're going to ask him all the questions. Oh, oh
1: you say a spoiler. How about a teaser?
3: A teaser. <laughs> it, well, they predominantly make sparkling wine, so I, it's English sparkling wine. And now, so, what,
1: oh, I had some of that, didn't I?
3: You had Hambledon. Oh,
1: that's but, what I had.
3: You see, I'm going to, have to make you make <laughs> notes now so that you know what you've had, and then if you taste something new, you can see the difference. That's <sighs> the next stage in your education. Where, where's
1: Hambledon again?
3: Hambledon's in Hampshire.
1: Oh, okay. So, so a little, it's a bit, little bit out not, of our
3: not too far, but we're heading down towards yeah, the
1: yeah. coast. So Heron Hope though, that's
3: banging our That's that's in our neck. That's of the river Woods. radio, that's isn't it? Literally up the road.
1: Right. Yeah. Brilliant. So we'll be talking about him, about how to make he how he makes his sparkling yep. wines, um, what yeah. he's got available. And and I believe you can go up there, can you? Yep. He's got a cellar door. Yep, so oh. we
3: can talk to him about cellar door, what they offer up at their cellar doors, so get people to go and visit and learn about their wines. Fantastic. Shop local.
1: Yeah, I'll be looking forward to that. Yeah. That'd be great. And um, have you
3: arranged for him to uh, bring in some samples? (laughs) (laughs) Always, always. In fact, it wasn't quite the first question. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say, dear, dear Henry... Brian would like some alcohol.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Well, listen, if you have any questions for Henry or any questions for Kath or anybody else at River Radio, don't forget, you can contact us, studio at River Radio. You can listen on the web, on the mobile, on Alexa. It's River Radio, the voice of the Thames Valley. We'll see you next week, 1 o'clock. Bye for now.